0: Welcome to episode 10 of Splash the Podcast. We've been off for a few weeks, so Justin and I caught up about everything that's gone on in college and professional football. We start with talking about the NFL heading into week 13 and the playoff picture as it exists today. We then talk about the college football playoff and the four teams that are In the driver's seat heading into the conference championships this weekend. And finally, we do a little bit of trash talking about the game between UVA and Wisconsin in college basketball, both of our alma maters playing in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So without further ado, this is episode 10 of Splash the Podcast. Nailed it. Well, hey, Justin. Welcome back.
1: (laughs) Welcome back to you as well. Where have you been? Been missing you. Uh,
0: You know, just working, getting ready for the holidays. How was your Thanksgiving?
1: It wasn't too shabby. Went to the East Coast. It's um, way too much traveling for three days and no leftover mashed potatoes. So I think next year I'll probably just stay home where it's warm and there's no planes and driving and there's lots of mashed potatoes
0: yeah so we hosted uh here in virginia and it was the first time i'd ever hosted thanksgiving and it was great not to travel but the cooking is a lot more stressful than you think it's going to be
1: well you gotta just cook for yourself
0: like i just kind of assumed it all came together but apparently you actually have to work hard to cook all the food for everybody
1: Did you go and pick out a turkey?
0: Uh, we picked out a turkey from Wegmans, a frozen Uh, turkey. It was
1: dead already? That's probably best.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we didn't do the thing where we, like, like with the lobsters, you know, you go, oh, that's the one I want right there. I want to make that one suffer.
1: Yeah, you can't name it. That's the key. Right. Um, yeah, I, I went home and it was, uh, you know, I'd kind of been doing it several of the past, uh, the last several years, and it's a bunch of family that I like, but but you know you don't see them that often, and it's a lot of small talk. And there's a couple people who are like family of family, and um, I got very scared because when I first got there, the Vikings game had already started, and they had CNN on, and it was like two people watching the TV that that I didn't, I wouldn't go and, and change the channel off from, and I was just sitting there thinking, shit. We're not even going to watch football, so I can't even use that as an excuse to not talk to people. We're going to have fucking CNN on. But then, thank God, my uncle came in and saved the day right around the end of the first quarter and got football on for the rest of the day. So it ended up being okay um, and had the first two picks, right? So that helped a little.
0: I think that would just be brutal to not have football on during Thanksgiving. I can't even imagine the types of psychopaths out there who want to watch the news as opposed to football and occasionally college basketball on thanksgiving that's that is just scary
1: i'm saying it was it was some kind of hell michael some kind of hell
0: so let's talk about football so we're now almost done with week 12 today is monday we've got one more game to be played later this evening but through 12 weeks of the season we're getting really close to the playoffs and playoff pushes which teams are you which teams do you think will make a late season run to get into the postseason who are not like the eagles who already have clinched the division
1: yeah i like the falcons 7 and 4 they're a game behind the panthers and the saints in their division um, but they're 7-4, and four, so they've got a good shot at getting to 10-6, and six, which is what you'll probably need for the wild card. Uh, they've been playing really well lately. The Saints are very good. I think that they'll lock up the division. The Panthers have been playing well, but uh, not against the best of opponents, and I'm still not quite a believer. And I think Olsen is back out now. He just came back, lasted for about 12 seconds, and now he's hurt again. So that seems to be a problem. Um but the falcons play the panthers this week i believe so we'll we'll find out quite a bit um but i think if they take that down that they got a good shot uh for the wild card and then i don't know that's the nfc is much they <laughs> have they have i mean i i don't know what the chiefs are doing but any of those teams seem like they could sneak in um if the chiefs don't get a couple wins here this is ridiculous but I think one of those teams might might sneak in, being the Chargers or the Raiders. Chargers have been playing great lately, and Raiders have been playing not great at all, but they've still been eking by wins, so you never know. You? The, char-
0: the Chargers are going to really regret m- messing up the first couple weeks of the season where they had those missed field goals to force overtime and win games because now they are playing the best football in their division at five and six. The Chiefs are falling apart when it seemed like they were unbeatable and had all kinds of fun Andy Reid offensive styles. But now the Chargers have it all put together. And yeah, I I really like the what they're doing right now. I feel like, you know, they're they finally have figured it out. And I also like the Raiders too. I think the Raiders are finally healthy enough to with Derek Carr back at the helm, that they're playing some pretty good football right now. And I also really just love the fact that the Broncos, at 3-1 and one, to start the year, have now lost seven straight games. They are just completely falling off the face of the earth.
1: And are sticking with Brock.
0: And, yeah, well, Paxton Lynch actually led the team in rushing this past week, which is <laughs> not anything that you want <laughs> It's not really a formula for success in anything. So, uh, yeah, the one time that I've gotten any kind of pushback from people on Twitter has been when I said something negative about Brock Osweiler when they named him the starter a couple weeks ago. And nothing brings me more joy than to see him completely fail and the Broncos being back to square one with no quarterback solution. So I think I would probably choose the Chargers and the uh, Raiders at this point.
1: Well, here are the Chargers' last five games, too, which is really the problem for the Chiefs. The Browns win, Redskins, uh, Chargers are at home, then they have a big game against the Chiefs, which might decide the division, and then they finish off with the Jets on the road and the Raiders at home. So, I mean, that seems like four wins right there pretty easily. Um, They're at the Chiefs, which is going to... Be a tough one, but that might actually decide the, the division because they should get the rest of them, or at least three of them for sure. So it's going to be close. Chiefs definitely got to put a few wins together.
0: I think the other team that is going to have a little bit of regret is the Buffalo Bills, sitting at six and five, when last week they made the decision to start Nathan Peterman for some reason they weren't convinced that Tyrod Taylor was doing enough for the offense. And they bring in Nathan Peterman, and he throws five interceptions in the game after they had built him up all week, saying that he had prepared for this moment. So they really just gave up on that game. And so really close now at the end of the season, fighting for a wild card position, you wonder if maybe if they just kept Tyrod in and... Not messed around with their offense. Maybe they would be able to sneak in, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, that was a weird move. I thought I I I would have been in favor of a change, but only in the middle of a game. Like if they're down, say, look, we're sticking with you, but if we get down, we're gonna have to make a change. And then and then throwing them in there at halftime, seeing if you can rally the team back. That happens often, but to start them out of nowhere like that, when you don't know what you have. I mean, you need that game and. (laughs) <laughs> to throw, the throw five picks at home is not great. Um, so, yeah, weird weird change. But <laughs> they got the win against the Chiefs because everyone's being the Chiefs now. But now it might be too late. I mean, they've still got two games against the Patriots left, two games against the Dolphins and the Colts. So even if they get all three, that's still probably only three wins.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're going to make it in at this point. But then again, the AFC really is beyond the Patriots and the Steelers. There really are no great teams. Like the Jaguars just lost to Arizona yesterday. So they're now tied with the Titans to lead their division at 7-4. and four. So there really aren't any major contenders in the AFC aside from those two teams. Um, in the NFC, do you think there's anybody that can actually stop the Eagles? Or are the Eagles going to walk all the way to the Super Bowl?
1: I, I actually do think they're going to walk to the Super Bowl, and it pains me to say that because I'm not a fan. Um, the only the only chance the Eagles have to get upset is making Carson Wentz try to do too much, which he seems to be doing. He, he knows he's good. He's got some great playmaking ability, but he doesn't quite know when to... When to take off? When to when to try to make that big play, and when to, you know, just kind of fold his fold his hand. Um, so if you get a couple bad plays of him trying to, you know, do something, hangs the ball out, get a couple fumbles here and there, that might be a way to upset them with some serious pressure. But the thing about the Eagles is they're just destroying the bad teams, and that's what's so that's what you want to look for in a good team. I mean. The Steelers are 9-2, and two, but if you look at their games, they're winning by five points every week almost. It's They're not that dominant. Um, they're eking by these very mediocre teams. They play to the level uh, of their opponent, which is not good for a championship team, and the Eagles are not. They, they played the Bears this week. Bears have a knack for keeping games close. They've been doing it all year. Eagles said, no, no, thank you. 31-3, to three, shut it down, didn't let Trubisky or anybody do anything to them. Um, and that's that's terrifying if you're if you're looking at the Eagles coming to your stadium or if you got to go to their stadium, which you're going to have to do since they're going to have home field throughout. So I don't I don't see anybody that could that could stop them unless you get some some serious serious pressure up front. And I mean maybe the Vikings could could do something, but I don't I don't I don't see it being enough.
0: Started the season off on the Seattle Seahawks bandwagon, and then I got off very quickly as their, the beginning of their season unraveled. And now I think I am ready to love again and jump back on the Seahawks bandwagon if they can make it into the playoffs. I think they're a very dangerous team. If they can get in right now, if the playoffs started today, they wouldn't actually be in the playoffs. But if they can get in, they would be... A really tough matchup with a mobile quarterback with a defense that can play really, really well when it's healthy. With you know, big Jimmy Graham in there catching balls, they have the experience in the playoffs, and Russell Wilson knows what he's doing. He's very familiar with playing under pressure, winning on the road. So, I think if they can make it in, they are a team that you don't want to face if you're the Eagles.
1: Well, they're about to, uh, there
0: may also. Well, right, yeah, so i we'll see we'll see how that goes, but that would be kind of my team that stands out that could actually stop the Eagles because they have a good combination of being competent on offense but have the potential to be really, really good on defense and force turnovers.
1: Well, it's Sunday night game, Seahawks are at home and are a four point underdog to the visiting Eagles, so who do you got?
0: You know what? I'll just go ahead. Let's just sign me up. That'll be, we'll, we'll slide right into our picks for week 13 here. And I will go ahead and sign up for Seattle, plus four. Uh, I think they know that they need to win this game. Philadelphia, as you've been saying, has been playing a bunch of mediocre teams coming off a win against Chicago, in which I think at some point for Philadelphia, they're just, they know they have the entire conference locked up. They've got the division locked up. It just doesn't mean as much to win this game on the road with the 12th man being allowed in Seattle. So I think Seattle will come to play, try to get a statement win, and keep their playoff hopes alive.
1: It is fair. I mean, the Eagles have been destroying teams, which is what you want to see, but they have not been tested in weeks. They they played the Chiefs early, lost to them. They played the Chargers early, Should have lost. They won by two. Beat the Giants by three. And then they've had their their win against the Panthers. Okay, I guess that's all right. But uh, Panthers were were going through some things in in mid-October. Beat up on the Cardinals. Beat up on the Redskins. Beat up on the Niners, the Broncos, the Cowboys, and the Bears. So they haven't played anybody good. So this will be their first test in, in over a month going to... Almost two months, really, going to Seattle. So... We'll find out a lot this week, but I think it uh, actually went up to four and a half, so getting four and a half is not the worst uh, not the worst pick.
0: Vegas is already shading my picks. They're listening into my room as we're recording this and is immediately shading. All right, who do you got in uh, week 13?
1: Well, Thursday night, good old Redskins-Cowboys rematch. Um, these, these are... I'm going to go with the Redskins. Uh, the Cowboys have not shown anything they, without Zeke, who really carried them to their win against the Redskins a few weeks ago. Redskins have been playing pretty well. The Cowboys have just shown no life. I'm, I'm going to go with the Redskins on the road, getting a point and a half.
0: Can I ask about your thoughts on Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys? So most teams, like you look at the Patriots and... They have a bunch of running backs. It seems almost like an interchangeable part. Teams can succeed around the league when their starting running back goes down if they throw in some rookie who comes out and plays really well. So it seems like one of the least important positions in the league, or at least one of the most replaceable positions in the league. And the Cowboys look like a completely different team. Like They go from being a playoff caliber team to being awful, being blown out. With their offense unable to move the ball on Thanksgiving against the Chargers, why, why is that? Why is why are the Cowboys struggling so much without
1: Elliott? So, I think it's because it, it is because of Elliott. Um, he he, the difference between a good running back and and a great one is that the great one just gets four to five yards every time. So it's not that Alfred Morris isn't fast or that he can make people miss or any of that. The difference is Elliot reads the holes better and falls forward every time. So all of his plays, you're still picking up four, 5, fives, six, seven yards instead of one, two, three, four, five. Um, and that makes a huge difference, especially for the Cowboys. And the difference is that Dak has got a great arm, he can make plays, he does not know how to read a defense. He's not good at it, he cannot make the outside throws, he can make the down the field throws, the the uh, the the throws that are that are past somebody and he's good at the at the slant slant routes to get five yards quick off the line, but but reading the defense and throwing those those out patterns I mean he struggled with that all year I talked about this back in in week three, but if you can't read cornerbacks and and make those comeback route throws that you need to pick up the ten yards, uh, you're not going to be able to move the ball and so you're getting in too many second and third downs and long where you're relying on Dak to make throws, and he just can't do it. It's not that he doesn't have an arm and he can't make a lot of throws, but but the the, med- the medium-range throws are much different than short, quick throws and deep, accurate, long passes. Both of those are easy things to do. It's the mid-range that's really hard and that he's struggled with all year. And, and without the extra few yards you're getting on first and second down, that comes into play, and he's just missing those.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it is definitely that. I know that they've had some players on their offensive line that are also banged up, but it just strikes me as amazing, the difference, even accounting for how good Elliott is and accounting for how defenses will not respect Dallas's run game. It just really strikes me as remarkable, but oh well, the NFL has spoken and Ezekiel Elliott is out and Jerry Jones is trying to mutiny. So, at least we have that.
1: Yeah, and I'm all for that. I, I want to see the whole league implode. This is, this is hilarious. I think Jerry Jones is just about as big of a hypocrite as you can, as you can be, but uh, I love the drama.
0: I also love the drama. But for now, we can't bet on that. So, we'll move on to some other picks. I'll give you another Week 13 pick for me. I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints. They are at home. They are minus four against Carolina this week. I watched a lot of the Carolina Panthers-New York Jets game, and the Panthers won the game because they were amazingly lucky. The Jets had a touchdown taken off the board that was really too close to call in terms of instant replay. I'm not really sure that instant replay should have overturned it. It resulted in a field goal then- the, the ball slipped out of the hand of McCown and was returned for a touchdown. And then almost immediately after, Carolina returned a punt for a touchdown. So just a series of very improbable events happening, one right after the other, against a very mediocre New York Jets team. Cam Newton was very inaccurate throwing the ball. And they really were lucky to come out of there with a win. And so I think they will struggle. The Saints want to be able to lock up the division. They are now getting pressure from both Carolina and Atlanta. So this is a really important win for them. So I'm going to take New Orleans uh, at home.
1: So you brought up a good point that I want to talk about real fast. And I'm going to run through some other picks really quick. But instant replay, I, I, I hate it. I'm done with it. I want it to go away. Or I have another idea but my problem is, instant replay has gone out of control. They're they're spending way too long looking at these replays. They're overturning the closest calls. They're, the ball is moving a, a millimeter from a person's hand. They call it a fumble. I mean, it's it's ruining the game. Like it's changing everything. They're re- re- reversing way too many calls. You gotta just let them play football. I mean, I'm all for okay. Is the guy out of bounds? His foot was clearly in. Easy peasy. Or if the ball hits the ground. You know, he covers it up and it slips through his hands and hits the ground. Okay, got it. But every game, it seems like there's one or two plays that are just way too close that are getting changed. I mean, the announcers are hilarious. They're they're wrong like 90% of the time. And I don't think they should be. I think they're saying, oh, that's too close to call. And then the person will come out and say, oh, it's overturned. Well, okay, it, it's, it's too much. It's ruining the game, I think. I mean, it's just let them play football. I I don't need to know whether a millimeter changes, uh, you know, I I think there should be a rule of a, of either a time limit or an instant replay limit of reviews. So like you get one slow motion, instant replay from the best uh, perspective, or you get 30 seconds. And if it's not obvious, I mean, you should only have to be able to see these things one time. That's how obvious these, these calls should be. If they're not that obvious, then just let them play. Keep it going. Uh, I mean, they're they're so close. We don't need to stop every time just to see, you know. The ones that kill me are the ones that, like, hit the ground. Like, the person's holding the ball. It touches the ground. How can you possibly tell if he has complete control or not when it hits the ground? It's almost impossible. Just, if he caught it, he caught it. So, I'm done with instant replay. I want a gun, or I want to change to 30 seconds. Is it obvious? Yes. If it's not, then just keep playing.
0: I'm totally with you on that. and. I think the NFL's gone too much like the college model where anything can be reviewed at any time and it makes the games just interminably long and things will just get randomly buzzed by the the booth or maybe they won't get buzzed in time on an important play and you know the other thing that just kills me is when at least 3 times a broadcast the color guy will say as if he is now providing really deep, meaningful insight to you, he'll say, well, remember that the call on the field, it has to be conclusive to overturn it. And you're like, yeah, okay, we got it. Like, that's, we've heard that before. We all know it at this point. Let's not say that like it's some kernel of wisdom.
1: Right, and then they're wrong half the time they say that anyway. It's, well, it's not conclusive, but I guess they thought it was.
0: Right, so I think... here's, here's here's what I would be in favor of. I think they should get rid of all the automatic reviews in pro and college. They should give teams actual challenges they shouldn't review inside of two minutes or on scoring plays or fumbles or whatever. Each team gets three challenges, and that's it. You can use them however you want. If you don't use them, great. But let's not just immediately stop the game and, you know, so like it, in the NFL, you get these situations where there's a big, exciting touchdown, and then they have to spend the next five to ten minutes trying to negotiate whether it actually was a touchdown or not. And it takes all right. the excitement out of the game. It's totally also. Totally stops the broadcast.
1: It's different between uh, slow motion and, and real time. I and mean, if you look at something in slow motion, it's a completely different play than a real time football play at 100 miles an hour. And. I don't think you can just keep doing, reviewing one play in, in real time in slow motion over and over uh, and think that that's the best result. I mean, it's just, that's not how the game, it's too fast, too much is happening to to slow it down and and go millimeter by millimeter.
0: Alternative idea, we just get robot refs.
1: I mean, these these refs are really good. That's what's so amazing to me is is they're hardly ever wrong. And when they are... Overturning calls. Ninety percent of the time, it's the tiniest thing. I mean, they're they're so good that I'm fine with getting rid of it. That's my point, I guess. Is is they get it right so often, and it always blows my mind how they see these things. But they get it so they get it right so often that I'm fine with with just relying on them. Just let them let them do their jobs, and let's keep playing. Uh, like like one play, I think it was the Steelers who there was a long play to Antonio Brown who made this amazing catch on the sideline. I mean, the two of them got together. If you watch in real time and looked, for sure, like he was out of bounds, they called him in. Uh, review said he was also also in, but what was happening was he was falling out of bounds, dragged his foot, and then slid like ten yards, and he almost hit hit the sideline bench. And my question would be: is if he did that, took two steps as he was falling, and then slid ten yards, hit the bench, and the ball falls out, is that a catch or not a catch? Because I, I legit That's don't probably know probably
0: not a catch
1: right which is the dumbest thing ever it it's it's just it's just a game if he catches the ball he catches the ball he doesn't need to take thirty steps with it and then survive a, a, a crash with the the Gatorade uh, water cooler to to make it a catch he just has to catch the ball and I don't know big pet peeve of mine it's just the game
0: I I'm with you man i'm with you so commissioner commissioner justin has just gotten rid of replay so it, it is decreed at this point
1: I'm, I'm giving 20 seconds you get you get as many looks as you want in 20 seconds of replay and if you can't if it can't be obvious to you then get back on the field and keep playing
0: what if they just put it on the jumbotron and then they let uh fans at home vote
1: Ooh, i do like that play the jeopardy music
0: yeah, everybody everybody gets out like a little keypad, and it's like, uh, I don't know, catch.
1: Well, you know, they're talking about instituting in-game wagering at the uh, the new Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas. So maybe we could just add that, throw that on the little keypads at everybody's chairs, a yes or a no button.
0: Ooh, interesting. I like I mean, that no idea. One's, I also, no one's
1: going to be a, a Raiders fan there anyway, so it's not like it would be biased.
0: Yeah, I like the idea that like halfway through the game, like what was a home field advantage could just totally change if all the fans are like, well, okay, the team I was rooting for is not doing that great, so let's root for the other team. That's right. Put a or bunch of money on it and then
1: it turns into picks. a road game. Exactly. <laughs> Be prepared for everything. All right,
0: give me, <laughs> give me another pick.
1: Uh, the Lions, plus three on the road at the Ravens. I do not think the Ravens are that good. We'll find out more tonight. But the Lions have played very well the last few weeks. I think they're a pretty good team. And getting three points, um, I'll take that against a Ravens team that I don't think is very good. Another one, I'll take the Vikings at the Falcons, getting plus three. Falcons are playing well, but so are the Vikings. They don't seem to be going anywhere. They stay in the game with their defense, and I think that'll be a problem for the Falcons. So getting a field goal, uh, I'm fine with that. Another one, I'll take the Colts, plus 9.5 at the Jags. Jags are a good team, but 10 points is, is a lot for them. The Colts have been hanging around. They're not the worst team. So in in division rivalry, I'll, I'll take 9.5 points. That's a few. What do you got?
0: I also like the Colts. The Colts have been double-digit or close-to-double-digit underdogs a lot this year. And I've actually made a good amount of money betting on them because while they're not great... And they haven't won a lot of games. They're very good at just generally keeping things close. And, you know, almost 10 points is a lot of points to give up in the NFL. I will almost never take that many points, uh, like take the favorite with that many points, just because you never know. There's like so many weird things can happen. Or like even, with the exception of the Browns, there seems to be hope in every single week for any team. So... Uh, yeah, I I love a Colts pick. Um, I'm also for a similar reason interested, but not totally committed to the Cardinals, who played really well with Blaine Gabbert this past weekend. They're getting a touchdown at home against the Rams, so that that's another situation where you know maybe you tease that up a little bit and have a little bit of bonus room, and you feel good about it, um, and force a team like the Jaguars to try to blow them out.
1: Yeah, there's some solid teaser action this week for sure. Uh, oh, Patriots were at eight yesterday. They were up to nine now at the Bills. That was gonna be an easy one. Seahawks might be a good one. The Rams are definitely good. Chargers are always a solid bet. And um, well, I like the Redskins too. Um I, I like the uh Chargers. At home, minus 13 and a half with the Browns. Uh, I don't know how I many. I mean, just bet against the Browns. It's, this is not complicated. They lose every week by a ton of points. I, they cover it again. I mean, I keep hearing these professionals talk about how there's value in the Browns because um, everyone knows they stink and, and we're betting against them and Vegas is going to inflate the line. That's great. That's all fine. I don't care. You, you don't have to bet on the Browns. In fact, you should be betting against them because that's what keeps happening. I don't care what the value is. The Browns are terrible and the Chargers are good they're at home. Their defense is solid and and <laughs> two touchdowns should be no problem.
0: Let me let me validate what you just said that the Chargers this year are 6-4 and 1 against the spread whereas Cleveland even with all that added value built in are 2 and 9 against the spread. They have the worst record against the spread in the league. So right. And that was and that's counting the
1: one in week 1 which really didn't count.
0: Right. That was, that was back when I thought Deshaun Kaiser was the actual answer to Cleveland's prayers. So that was my fault.
1: Yeah, that was your fault.
0: Let's, uh, let's move on to college football. A lot has happened. This was a huge weekend in college football with the Iron Bowl and a number of other rivalry matchups that took place. We now have Miami with a loss. We have Alabama with a loss. So first before we get into picking all the championship games this weekend, who would you put in to the college football playoff if you had a vote right now?
1: I guess I'd go with the top 4 that that they have, although I think I would take out Auburn and put in Alabama. You, you know, you're Really? Even yeah. after
0: even after they just lost.
1: Well they lost on the road and it was their one loss. Auburn lost two games to mediocre teams, right? They lost to Notre Dame who has dropped a couple straight now and they lost to LSU. So that two losses against teams with three losses themselves isn't that impressive. I mean, yes, you got one win over Alabama. Yes, it wasn't by 3 points, but it was at home and it was Alabama's only loss and they've just destroyed everybody else. So I think you're you're allowed a pass. A one game pass. Same with Clemson. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna judge them by that, I would drop Clemson out for losing against a, a terrible Syracuse team. There's no reason they should be there. And so, you could put either Georgia or Miami in. But I, I think Oklahoma's played a great season. They've got a number of big wins. I think they're the number one team. To be honest, I don't know why Clemson's ahead of them. Clemson has a worse loss, and Oklahoma has beaten way better teams. Uh, you gotta put Wisconsin in there, they've, they've beaten everybody and they've played and they've beaten convincingly, I mean they've played three ranked teams, now everyone keeps wanting to talk about how they haven't played anybody, and yeah I understand they haven't played a, a top 15 like some of the other teams, but they destroyed Iowa ranked, they destroyed Northwestern ranked, and they destroyed Michigan ranked, so that's that's three good top 25 wins, uh, and, and they've, they've been handling people, so obviously it doesn't matter, cause they, if it's all going to depend on, on Ohio State this weekend. But right now, there's no way you can leave Wisconsin out. And yeah, I'd put Alabama in there over Auburn, even though they lost the head to head. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I think at this point, you know, it's the college football playoff is got really lucky in some respects. Like it's it made things more complicated to have Auburn beat Alabama and have Alabama not be undefeated and just like an easy lock to put in there but in another way it makes things kind of like a play-in game with the championships this weekend so I think the winner of the SEC championship game whether it's Georgia or Auburn is going to get in Um, I think you're going to see definitely the ACC championship winner get in it's probably going to be Clemson I'm a little interested to see what would happen if Miami actually won the game but I don't think they have any chance of winning. So I think Clemson will get in. Oklahoma will get in if they win their conference championship, and then you also have, uh, you know, Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin has the inside track if they can win their conference championship against Ohio State. Should be an interesting game. Uh, personally, I'd like to see UCF included in the conversation, even though I know they won't be, just because they're not part of the Power Five conferences. But I watched their game against USF over the weekend. And it was one of the most thrilling games I've ever watched. Like <laughs> I happen they, to watch that too. <laughs> the last three minutes of that game were insanity. Yeah. And they're out of control. I just would love to see them continue playing. They're undefeated. It's like the, the primary reason why I think they should expand the field to eight teams at least. is just to give teams like that a chance. And we always say like every year we always say like, Oh, well this team, you know, Alabama's clearly better than everybody. But if they were clearly better, they would never lose a game. And usually they lose to an Auburn or an Ole Miss or somebody. And so I don't think we should just take for granted that they're going to win every single game they play. Like, that's why we have an NCAA tournament in basketball. That's why March Madness is so crazy, because Duke loses sometimes and UNC loses sometimes. So, uh, I mean, I think that, that... what I outlined earlier is probably how it's going to shake out in college football, but uh, I would love to see like, it would be so fun to watch UCF get a shot at one of these major conference teams and just see what actually happens.
1: Yeah, I I agree. That would be a lot of fun. I also think that they would lose by 40 points to any of the top 10 teams. Uh, I watched that game too, and they were a ton of fun to watch, but I think they would just get destroyed by anybody with a, with a mediocre, uh, Top five or uh, power five defense, but yeah, I love them in there. And, and that's the thing—you can expand it to eight, and <laughs> every game still matters. That seems to be the the argument against it. But but every game—I mean, all of the top eight teams, and right now the top thirteen all have two two losses or less. So that still me makes every single game matter. You just can't lose more than one or two, uh, and and to get into the top 8 and you know if you compare it to basketball those games matter as well it's not it's it's the same thing each game still matters just as much basketball you have way more games and can lose 5 or 6 but also you have to win the tournament which is 6 straight games that's half of the college football season and you can't lose a single game so every game matters there as well and it's still the most fun thing in all of sports
0: i think it would also encourage teams to not schedule fcs games you know if you if there was less of a punishment for right, losing you a game a, a and more of or a, a reward to actually like play a tough team go on the road and play somebody that's difficult to, i think more teams would do that because if you just said like quality wins are the most important thing and they're even more important than losing a game or two then you would actually have some more marquee games during the season which would be great
1: I agree, and also, it it gets it gets rid of the uh, the Wisconsin problem where you can have an undefeated team possibly not in the playoff. I mean, you can't schedule. <laughs> People talk like like they they did something wrong. They they've scheduled huge games. They've played LSU. They've played other major top five teams and had you know back to back years with them. When they scheduled these games years ago with BYU, BYU was a good team. So. That's great, but I mean, you can only control so much. And to have a a top, a Power Five team like Wisconsin or anybody else, a number of other years, go undefeated or have maybe one loss and just get thrown out of the mix just because their their competition is perceived to be slightly less than other teams seems absurd to me. I mean, what's what's the point then? You can't you can't make every team have to schedule tough teams, which isn't easy. And then also predict who will be good in the future. I mean, if you schedule Auburn right now, you think, wow, that's an awesome game. Auburn could be terrible in two years. You have no idea. So you can't fault the teams for that over and over when there's only four teams that get into the playoffs.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting, too, like, the numbers. So this is where that the whole, like, eye test versus the numbers stuff comes in because everybody's eye test says that a team like Alabama is great even though they looked pretty terrible this past weekend. Um, and that a team like UCF is just completely undermatched, but they both have the same number of top 25 wins. Alabama only has two top 25 wins this year. So, and th- you know, their top win of the year with against Florida state at the very beginning of the year, Florida state is like barely a bowl team at this point. So, I mean, yes, yes, There's just a lot of, I think there's just a lot of assumptions made by commentators, and Alabama and Ohio State get way more credit than other teams just because of their history and what they've looked like in the past. And people just ignore the fact that Ohio State lost by 30 points to Iowa, or that Oklahoma got blown out, uh, lost a big home game against Iowa State, or. Uh, you know just any of these teams have flaws so don't necessarily just assume that Alabama and Ohio State are the teams that you get in.
1: Sure and also scheduling tough teams outside of your conference isn't just something you can just pick up the phone and do It's and say like, oh you schedule these teams well I don't not every team can play another good team outside of their conference and also the the, the mid-range teams don't see much benefit right so their, their idea is to go undefeated in their conference, like a Memphis or UCF. Scheduling a hard team that puts a loss on their resume doesn't help them. I mean, if they get that win and go undefeated, fine. But they're still probably on the outside of a top four looking in. So it doesn't even matter that much to them. So they have no reason to schedule that because one loss destroys their whole season for sure.
0: Well, it's also it's also tough if you're a major Power 5 team you don't want to schedule those kind of teams because you know Same you never you. know whether you're going to get the 12 and 0 season or you're going to get a 6 and 16 that doesn't help your strength of schedule that much so you know you take a look at a game that was scheduled a couple years ago but was played this year between UCLA which looked like a program on the rise and then Memphis they had a home at home you know Memphis seemed like a decent team this year Memphis you know beat UCLA it was a terrible loss it made you know really got everybody engaged to fire jim mora as a coach and you know ucla wasn't as good as people thought so memphis didn't even get credit for a big win even though you know it was a pretty big win for them to beat a ucla program so yeah i mean it's definitely tougher to schedule especially when you only have three spots or you only have four spots available to fill
1: right Which is why you see the matchups of the top tier teams, like Florida State and Alabama. They thought that was going to be a one-two type matchup, where the loss doesn't count against you that much. But if you put a a lower, you know, twenty to twenty-five range team, that matters because you you schedule a team that's twenty to twenty-five. The win doesn't count that much, but the loss counts counts a ton against you. So you have no benefit there.
0: So with all with all that in mind, we're now schedules aside we have our conference championship weekend set up so let's run down the conference the five power conference championship games and make some picks so the first one is on friday we've got a game between usc which is a team that actually if you look at their numbers is probably better than most people think they are three point favorites against stanford who has been inconsistent but also has one of the best players in the country in Bryce Love. So, who are you taking in that one?
1: Stanford has been on a roll. I, I I picked USC to win the the championship at the beginning of the year, and so I'm going to stick with them. I think it'll be I think it'll be tight game, um, but I think that USC pulls it out. I, my preseason pick, I'm going to stick with them.
0: Yeah, I like. USC also in this game. Um, Sam Darno has actually, you know, he's thrown a lot more interceptions than people would like to see. I think he's tried to do too much with their offense, but I think he's really developed into the first round pick that people thought he was going to be as the season has progressed. And you know, USC had a couple of early season losses that took them out of the national title conversation, but. There was a really good graphic on College Game Day this past weekend where they did blind resumes and uh, you know looking at who should be considered to be in the playoff. And USC's was way better than uh, Ohio State's and any of the other two lost teams. But they're not really getting much love right now. But I think they will beat Stanford, who definitely is playing better football right now but maybe just doesn't have as much talent as usc does so moving on from the pac-12 now getting into the sec championship between georgia and auburn it's the game everybody's excited about auburn despite having two losses is a two-point favorite in the mercedes-benz stadium should be a strong Georgia presence there. Who do you like in that game?
1: I'll take Auburn again. They blew Georgia out forty to seventeen. If this was the pros, I would probably pick Georgia. It's tough to beat a team twice, but college it's it's different. Um, maybe they they pulled out some new things that Georgia can be ready for this time. But in general, in college, the things that you're better at, you're much better at, and and it's tough to stop those. You can't just create a better line or um, create a new defensive scheme. That especially against a team like Auburn that runs the ball. If, you, if it was a passing team, you could you could change some things up. Running, they're tough to stop. They won by twenty three points last time. Um, I'll take Auburn. I'll take Auburn again.
0: I'm gonna take Georgia. Uh, I think that playing in a neutral game will be a lot easier for uh for georgia's freshman quarterback i also think that auburn is going to struggle they may be without both of their top two running backs one of them uh, johnson had a pretty bad injury in the alabama game and i think that the georgia's run game is just one of the best in the country you watch nick chubb run and he's just a bruising back it's almost impossible to stop him with initial contact so I think it will be a really fun game, a really close game, but I think Georgia gets revenge and punches a ticket to the Final Four.
1: That'd be fun. I love I love the name Nick Chubb. So get him in the playoffs. I'm fine with that. <laughs>
0: Agree. Very, very. He sounds like uh, he sounds like he could be kind of like one of those grizzled detectives. You know, like a. Like a Jack Reacher kind of guy Give Chubb the case
1: you
0: know. Yeah Chubb doesn't obey the rules <laughs> But he gets results
1: <laughs> Chubb punch punch, punches you in the throat first Ask questions later Get him Chubb exactly. All right, Let's talk about Memphis
0: Uh, you, you want to talk about Memphis and UCF?
1: Yeah I think Memphis is going to win
0: I, I don't know if they're going to win or not but I think they're going to cover. I like Memphis as a pick to cover.
1: Pick to cover. What's the line? Seven. Woo. The over under is 85. By the way, I- I've never seen an over under that high. I've seen plenty of 80s. I think an 82. I've never seen an 85 over under. That is insane, and I love it. And I want to watch this game so badly.
0: It's going to be fun. I watched. I mean, I watched the several of Memphis's games this year. And I watched the UCF game this past weekend, and man, Scott Frost's offense is just fun to watch at UCF. I think this game could very easily hit that over. I think that's way too much to actually bet on, but what a what a fun game that could be.
1: I don't know. Anytime the over-under is that high, it almost always hits the over. So I think it's a pretty good pick to go over there. I think,
0: uh, I think you need to show your work on that. That, that would be a good statistical analysis for you to do. All right. Let's put you to work on that. Um, Clemson and Miami. Clemson is a nine-and-a-half point favorite against the turnover chain-wielding Hurricanes. Who do you like in that one?
1: I'll take Clemson to win, but I would take Miami to cover. Nine-and-a-half points seems like a ton of points for... A Miami team that just had one loss on the road. I mean, weird game to lose at Pittsburgh, but still. I mean, they've outside of that, they've shown no signs of slowing down. So, uh, and again, everyone gets one, just like Spider Man. Everyone gets one. Get a pass, and uh, I think Miami just used theirs, and I think it'll be a close game. So I would I would bet on Miami. Um, I think Clemson will will pull it out and. In the final minutes
0: all right so this game is my lock of the weekend so miami if they win this game i think makes the final four with their one loss winning the acc in a major conference i think that miami gets in and that being said miami struggled against pittsburgh last week they barely beat north carolina earlier in the year they were down by two touchdowns two different times to uva just a week and a half ago, they are—they do not deserve to be in the Final Four. Like They are a team on the rise, and I give them a lot of credit. I give Mark Rick a lot of credit for bringing them back to national prominence, but Clemson but, is going to roll over them in this game. Oh, Clemson shit. just dominated South Carolina in a rivalry game on the road with trash being thrown at them on the field. <laughs> Clemson is going to crush Miami in this game. Miami has no chance. No chance.
1: Bam! All right, well, maybe I won't bet it, Miami?
0: No, don't bet Miami. Save your money. Save your money for the Ohio State-Wisconsin game, which is your big team, your chance to make the Final Four, but your team, undefeated, 12-0, and is a six-point underdog. Are you going yeah. to take Wisconsin?
1: Yeah, I sure am, just so I can be disappointed yet again. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I think Ohio State's good. I don't think they're I don't think they're that good. I think Wisconsin's defense is great, and our line keeps us in the game. Um, I think it'll be close the whole time. That's how Wisconsin plays; they do it on purpose. And you know, Ohio State could pull it out, but I do not think this is a repeat of a few years ago where they blow us out by. 50 or whatever that was. I I do actually think that we will win or possibly blow it in a last-second drive by Barrett, which would be heartbreaking. But I think we've got a great shot. Uh, I'll be rooting for us to win with the belief that we will. And I I think our team's solid all around. We We don't have a lot of soft spots. We've got great cornerbacks, good line. We've got some good linebackers. This guy Edwards is all over the place. We've been churning out linebackers recently. And this year's no different. We've got two amazing linebackers who just fly all over the place. Um, our safeties could use some help, but but that's not really the problem against the the Buckeyes. So we shut down the run pretty well. Our offense is, is playing pretty well. Hornerbrook kind of took a hit a few weeks ago, and they charged him to play better, and he has. So um, as long as they don't ask him to do too much – We've got the best running back in the country, essentially. Jonathan Taylor's a freshman, and is like fourth, I think, now in all time freshman rushing yards. He's got eighteen hundred. So, you know, you're, you're not going to shut that down. Um, I think I think we hang in there, and hopefully, we pull out the W.
0: This is a definite head versus heart pick because I think having watched Ohio State play, I think they have better players from top to bottom. I think. Should be still a pretty close game, but I really want Wisconsin to win. I'm sick of Ohio State. Uh, I don't, I don't want to have to deal with you crying for all all winter long about what Wisconsin how they ripped your heart out again. So I'm hoping Wisconsin wins. So with that in mind, I'm gonna take the under 53, and just say that a lot of defensive plays will be made in this game a lot of field goals, and it'll be a close, low-scoring game. A classic Big Ten game. That's my thats my pick.
1: It could be. It could be. Uh, I, I think the difference is Wisconsin has got a better coach. Paul Christ is, uh, he, I think he's a, a better coach Whoa. than we've had. Um, oh, I, I th- thought
0: you were saying he's a better coach than Urban Meyer.
1: No, I do not think that. But I do okay. think that he will um, be willing to switch up the offense and defense schemes. I don't think he's too stuck in his ways like past coaches have been. I think he will um, come up with a couple different approaches and that if he has to, I mean, if they load the box for Taylor, I don't think he's afraid to throw it. I think we'll take some shots downfield early. And then I think we'll see how the the line does and how the running game does. But that's the thing about Wisconsin is we played our strengths and we, we use our running game and it, it, it's got a purpose. I mean, it's to wear the other team down on defense. We're not a we're not a first half team. We're not trying to blow out the other team, which is why saying okay. I mean, I've heard this so many times too. Is saying okay. Well, yeah, they're undefeated, but they're not blowing teams out. They're not they're not blowing these mediocre teams out like an Alabama would, and and that's on purpose. They're, it's not that like they're trying to keep it close, but they play slowly and they play for the end of the game. They if the if they were down, it would change how they played, but. They're playing this very strategically. Their offensive line, every single game, wears down the defensive line. Now, I don't know how off Ohio State's defensive line is. I'm sure they're better than past teams. But the point is, I mean, Michigan has a good defensive line, and they wore it down. They do it every single game, and it's on purpose. It's not They're not running it every time to pick up yards and try to score touchdowns. It's to keep the game close, wear the off uh, the defense down, so then the fourth quarter – those 3-yard 4-yard games turn into 10, 15-yard gains as people get tired, they get easily blocked, and we start breaking it open. I mean, it's, it's part of the system. Now, it doesn't always work, and if you can handle that and stay in the game or if you put Wisconsin in a hole, then it's a problem. But the winning close is by design. So to say we're not blowing teams out and that's why we're not as good as Alabama is just absolutely ludicrous. This is the whole point of the team. Um... And we're trying to get the wins. We're not trying to win by forty. As soon as you saw, though, that you know we were on the outside looking in as an undefeated team, they turned it up. Started throwing more. Horner, Horner Brooks thrown a few touchdowns the last couple of games, and they've 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 blown out teams, including thirty-one nothing over Minnesota, just to just to prove a point that we can. But I think they'll go back to the slower wear off Ohio State down, and and see if they can do that. And if so, then that plays into our hands and. We should be in the same spot as, as usual with the the uh, the attacking team late in the game.
0: So for those of you keeping score at home, it's great that the Eagles are blowing teams out. That shows that they're an elite team. But Wisconsin, totally fine for them to just wear people down, keep the games close.
1: But that's, the way they that's the what Eagles heard so far they,
0: in this podcast.
1: Okay, you're not paying attention. The Eagles, though, the difference is the Eagles throw the ball. Right, they're throwing the ball. That's that's their strategy. So if they're not winning by a few touchdowns, and blowing out an in in NFL is different than the the than college. I mean, we're winning by two touchdowns, and people say that isn't a blowout. And the NFL eagle two touchdown win is a blowout. So it's the same thing. We're we're just a running team. They're a passing team. They should be putting up more points. But the spread is still virtually the same. We're still blowing out every team. I mean, the only team that we haven't really blown out, uh, you know, we had a close-ish game against Northwestern but that was also by design and they got a couple lucky plays late Hornerbrook didn't have a great game but we still handled that whole game I mean the outcome was never in doubt for one second if you watch the game and that's all part of it it's coaching to the game and that's just how Wisconsin does it and it's not the sexiest thing to to watch same with basketball which we'll get to in a second but that's just how they do it and so and that's true for all the teams. That's just something to keep in mind. That coaching to the game and to the scenario and to the season is all part of the coaching uh, decisions. I mean, and, and it should be.
0: Speaking of coaching decisions, I think we would be remiss to not talk about some of the coaching carousel that's going on in college football right now, and in particular the insanity that took place yesterday over the weekend with Greg Schiano at first getting a job at Tennessee and then the protests that took place uh, in Knoxville and on Twitter and basically the mob mentality forcing Shiano uh, to be out of the job. So, I mean, that is just a crazy situation right there with the fan base of Tennessee kind of coming, coming out of the woodwork to uh, torpedo that deal. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that whole thing that went down over the weekend.
1: Uh, I, I, why don't you tell us a little more about it? I'm a little worried about the idea of, of a fan base, um, you know, lighting torches and and shoving someone out who who's been chosen to be the coach. But but why why would that happen exactly?
0: So. I have a lot of conflicting feelings about this. So basically how it went down was that uh, John Curry, the athletic director, was meeting with Sciano. It was reported that they were very close to a deal and were basically finalizing the parts of a deal. And Greg Sciano is somebody who was at Rutgers for many years. He turned Rutgers from one of the biggest embarrassments in college football into a bowl team six of the last seven seasons he was there he left rutgers he went to the tampa bay buccaneers and was an abysmal failure with the buccaneers and was forced out a lot of players came out of the woodwork and said they hated playing for him and he didn't have any success and has since come back to college football and has been the defensive coordinator now for a few years at ohio state so i think it's right to say that chiano has a college football resume that's very strong although you know the most recent thing that he's you know visible as a head coach was a failure in Tampa Bay so I know that's in a lot of people's minds so from that point of view like this you know it could be a good hire and that you've seen him rebuild a team at Rutgers and Tennessee is in desperate need of that but the other thing that was kind of leering over this whole process was that there was a report last year um, from the testimony that came out of the Mike McCreary situation when he was suing Penn State for wrongful termination that Shianu knew about the Jerry Sandusky uh, crimes that were being committed at Penn State and didn't come forward and say anything. Now, that's something that, that's something that Shianu has denied And there really is no physical evidence at all that that is the case, but that was in the testimony of that court case. So it was reported. So that was something that Tennessee fans were also mad about. And then the final kind of puzzle piece to this is that Tennessee recently had to settle a number number of sexual assault lawsuits from former Tennessee football players. So you have this crazy... Uh, you know, like everything coming together where you have this not particularly well-liked coach who does have some uh, good coaching pedigree to him, but you also have kind of a history of sexual assault at Tennessee that you're trying to clean up. And there is this rumor that's hanging over Shianu's head that he was, you know, at least... Uh, He didn't necessarily cover up what was going on at Penn State, but didn't say anything about it, didn't come forward. He was at least around as that stuff was going on. So you have a lot of Tennessee fans who are rightfully upset and worried and hoping that their program can move forward and not be a beacon for sexual assault in their program. But I think you also see a lot of Tennessee fans just not like Shiano as a coach and screaming about that and protesting the other stuff just because they don't like him as a coach. So it really makes everybody look bad. I mean, it's a situation where there are no, there's no right and wrong. There's no winners and losers. The athletic director looks awful. Tennessee fans look kind of awful for, uh, you know, forcing out a coach before he's even there and demanding maybe a coach that is out of their range really. Like they wanted John Gruden, most of them. And it makes Shiano look bad whether he deserves it or not. So really just a very upsetting and strange situation at Tennessee.
1: Well, I think we've found out where the demarcation line is for the South. Sexual assault, not good in Tennessee, directly to its southern border. Sexual assault, fine in Alabama. So use that how you will. Tennessee, it's got a nice, uh, a nice parallel line there to the north and east of the United States, and um, south of that, not great. North of that, better.
0: So, I mean, well, we'll see. We'll see how the actual vote takes place in Alabama in December. So we may have to amend that statement. But yeah, just a really crazy situation, and we'll see. I, it seems almost. Impossible, but Tennessee fans are actually clamoring now for Lane Kiffin to come back, which is—it's just so crazy to me. Like I, but you know, it's 2017. There have been so many less shocking things that have already happened this year that that just seems like why not? Why not at this point? Of course, he's going to come back.
1: That would just be—I mean, how short of a memory do do you need to have? That's ridiculous.
0: Hey, yeah. he's turned he's turned FAU around. They're gonna go to a bowl game. So, yeah, that's gotta weird. gotta respect that.
1: All right. So, which of the top four teams is gonna lose? Someone's gonna lose. Probably Wisconsin, but other than Wisconsin, Auburn plays Georgia, Oklahoma plays TCU, Clemson plays Miami. So, who's gonna lose? Someone has to, right? Or just Wisconsin?
0: Uh, no. I mean, I think Wisconsin is the most likely team to lose. Unfortunately. Um I guess if I was forced to make a second pick, uh, I think that. I mean, I think George is going to win. So I don't know if you consider them one of the top four teams or not. I think TCU is good enough to give Oklahoma a game. I don't. I, I think right now the way their offense, Oklahoma's offense, is moving the ball and Baker Mayfield is just playing out of his mind. So I think they're going to be almost impossible to beat. But TCU is a good team. Gary Patterson's defense. Like, he's one of the better coaches uh, in the country and getting his defense ready for big-time games. So I I give TCU an outside shot of upsetting Oklahoma.
1: Does Ohio State have any chance if they, let's say they crush Wisconsin by two touchdowns, do they have any chance of, of getting in?
0: Unfortunately, yes, I think so. I mean, I think so much of the college football playoff committee is just, you know, they, they can use whatever criteria they want to get exciting games in. And people like watching Ohio state and they finished the year strong with games against Michigan and then a win against Wisconsin. And yeah, I could easily see them getting in. I could see them getting in over Alabama even, um, just because, you know, they won their last game and they're a conference champion and, sometimes the college playoff committee like they they're not beholden to anyone so they can just say you know this year we wanted your entrant to be a team that won their conference and so then if that's your criteria that makes them instantly better than alabama or georgia or any other team that doesn't win so yeah i think that would be i think it's definitely possible
1: that'd be so depressing i I do see a way they possibly get in. I I don't see how they can jump Alabama. That just seems I don't know. That just seems wrong. I mean, what they've lost they lost two games. They got destroyed by Oklahoma. They got destroyed by Iowa. Alabama lost a, a close-ish game to to fourth-ranked Auburn. I mean, what what why even play the games then if you're just going to say we're better? That that might be true, but but then what's the point of of playing the games? I don't I think you just got to go by, by the wins and the losses. And...
0: I I think are just there are things I have faith in in the world, and I have faith in the committee finding ways to benefit Alabama and Ohio State, whether it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. I just feel like they always get the breaks at the end of the year for seating or consideration. So it wouldn't surprise me for both of them to get in. So that's why Wisconsin's got to take care of business, so that doesn't happen. We don't have to worry about it.
1: Yeah, it does seem like, though, that the top 10 teams, except for Penn State, all have a, a very good shot at getting in the playoffs. I mean, if TCU upends Oklahoma, um, if Ohio State maybe just eeks by Wisconsin, some other stuff, TCU could even jump in there. They can make a case for it if they destroy it. So it's kind of fun to see top 10 teams well, nine of the ten teams having a good shot at getting in the playoffs that's that's that can't be normal
0: yeah, there's definitely the potential for chaos yeah if Miami were to beat Clemson and uh, USC wins by 35 points and the Auburn Georgia game is a mess you know there are definitely opportunities for the playoff committee to have a lot to think about
1: and that's all I ever root for is college football chaos so. Here we go.
0: The basic, basically, like the Joker leaving, uh, leaving the hospital in The Dark Knight uh, Returns or whatever.
1: Right. I just want it's UCF just to night. just to be sitting there smashing that that button to blow up the hospital.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So last thing, last thing we got to cover real quick tonight in just a few short hours. My alma mater, UVA, hosting your alma mater, Wisconsin. In the Big Ten ACC Challenge And so I just wanted to uh, Get you on the record As saying something dumb About Wisconsin being the better team So go ahead and Go ahead and said something nice about Wisconsin
1: We are the greatest team ever God Did you see us destroy Milwaukee By 22 points That's just a, a preview of what's to come Don't worry about the few games before that Milwaukee destroyed them Get ready Virginia Ranked 18.
0: Don't worry about the don't worry about the three games before that where you lost three in a row. Yeah, you're three and three right now.
1: Right, so I said, don't worry about those. Milwaukee,
0: okay. Wisconsin owns cool. the Big
1: Ten ACC challenge. Not worried at all.
0: I think the thing that we can both agree on that first team to 40 wins.
1: Yeah, you can go ahead and lock in the under there, probably.
0: Yeah. So I mean, not that not that either team will get into the 40s before like 11 30 at night because the game tips at nine but whichever team gets to 40 you can just turn off your tv like when it happens because that team is going to win the game
1: nine for you it's eight for me i get to watch all of it
0: it's you know what the other thing is it's like they're probably going to wait for the seven o'clock games to finish up for tv coverage so it probably won't tip until like 9 30 which i'm just i'm too old to be going to games that late it's too late for me
1: I know, buddy. You need your beauty sleep.
0: Yes. Yes, I do. Um, all right. Well, we'll have, I'm sure one of us will have a lot to say about that uh, either later this week or in f- three or four weeks from now when we decide to do another podcast. So I look forward to talking about that then.
1: Yeah. Let's try to get another one in. Been too long. It's all right. Been good catching up.
0: I mean, if, if UVA wins, you can expect another podcast probably at like 1 a.m. Tonight, even if it's just me screaming just you. at Justin's answering machine, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm gonna just read so, all the the angry, gross, inappropriate text messages I get later tonight after uh, after we lose a heartbreaker. I'm gonna read those out loud in the podcast. I mean,
0: looking forward to it.
1: Michael, one twenty three a.m. Suck it, bitch.